What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by maybe you. Yeah, don't have a sponsor right now. So if you are a business owner or you are someone who knows a business owner looking to get into the podcast advertising game and would like to sponsor the best independent sports podcast today, this podcast, it goes seven days a week. I'm writing seven days a week. Yeah, folks, Monday through Friday, NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL, college football. It's happening every single day on this podcast. On the weekends, guess what? You're getting a Saturday conversation. You're getting maybe a writer from the week. Maybe you're getting a writer from uh, the New York Times. Maybe you're getting an interview with a former MLB all-star like Luis Gonzalez. You never know who you're going to get on that Saturday show. Sundays, guess what? Movie reviews with Philip Musay. Yeah, I cover movies too. I do just about everything that's possible on the podcasting spectrum. I'm writing about it. I'm podcasting about it. You can get it all on chasethomaspodcast.com. There is no one right now doing what I'm doing every single day. I am giving you content every single day. I am the best at what I do right now. Why not join up? Why not be a presenting sponsor of the Chase Thomas Podcast? Reach out at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Leave me five stars on Apple. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple. Leave a review. Let's keep this thing going. Uncle Darren, hit my music. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello and welcome to a Sunday evening edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, the full ride edition of the podcast. I am up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, down there in Dacula, Georgia. Matt Green, fellow North Georgia alumni, Matt. Good evening, sir. How are you? Doing well, sir. Nighthawks in the building. North Georgia alum. Still Night undefeated Hawks. in college football, by the way. People forget. Do you have the underrated uh, program? Do you have the UNG still undefeated t shirt? Uh my fiance does actually. She was actually wearing it today. Are you serious? Yeah, I was that's funny. That's why I was thinking about it. That's awesome. I, I have it's it somewhere. Shirt. I don't know where it is, but I have it somewhere. I wish I would have gotten some of that uh that fighting geese gear from back in the day when they uh, used to be Gainesville State, but were they the geese? Yeah, the fighting geese <laughs> before the uh, before the merger. Isn't that a I little wish redundant? I... Aren't all geese territorial and <laughs> fighting? Yeah. Have you ever met a goose so. that's uh, very much like you know what? Do your business. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, snarl at you when you get too close to me. It's a very geese-like thing. That's true. I Can guess we talk nor- about just how much geese, geese suck? Gainesville, 
Gainesville State geese or Gainesville State fighting geese. I guess they thought that was more intimidating. I don't know. Neither are intimidating, I don't think. No. This geese, is why geese. no longer Gainesville State. <laughs> exactly. That's why they went with the Nighthawks, whatever, whatever a Nighthawk is. I don't know either. My parents are still very upset about that, by the way. I mean, they went to North Georgia when it was the Saints. And they still will refuse to acknowledge the Nighthawks. Like even if I, I don't honestly, know. I always thought the same thing. It's like they had they had like their own kind of branding and everything with the, with the Saint Bernard mascot and mm. all that. It's like North uh, or Gainesville State. They didn't have any sports. They should have just they should have just become the North Georgia Saints. That would have been way easier. But there, I'm sure it was all all political. You know, of like oh well, we're we're half the institution too. You know, I'm sure it was. They're getting in their feelings and everything. So North Georgia Nighthawks it is. Yeah, it's just it's the Saints was just better. And St. Bernard's, we could have had St. Bernard's walking around the campus. Yeah. I'd have been on board with that. Yeah. Who wouldn't have been? Um even your Rottweiler probably wouldn't maybe have been on board with it. I don't know. Is he territorial? How is he? Does he like he's other good. dogs? He he's good for sure. He uh he can be a little territorial, but uh I feel like he just wants to feel you out. So he's uh <laughs> He he's a good dog though. He's usually honestly on his walks. He's usually just not interested in the other dog, and the other dog's like whining and pulling, trying to get to him, and he's just kind of doing his own thing. So he's usually good. Interesting. Okay. Um. So how was your how was your weekend viewing? We were texting back and forth on Saturday as I was enjoying the uh, the failure, the cartoonish failure of the Georgia offense in the first half in that uh, game against Arkansas on the road. Um, what was your what was your viewing uh, college football viewing habits like on Saturday? How did, walk me through your day? Well, it was a great it was a great weekend to watch college football. Obviously, I started with how with how everyone else started watching Florida and Ole Miss and uh, Kentucky and Auburn. But um, yeah, the Georgia game was not fun to watch for the first two quarters. But luckily, uh, luckily they got it together, got the comfortable win, covered the spread. But uh, yeah, I um, it was a uh, it was just it felt like the world everything was right in the world again, you know. On a Saturday, watching SEC football, it was just uh, it was a great day. It's uh, it's what I've been waiting for. Did you notice the lack of fans anywhere? Did it affect your viewing at all? Oh, like in the stadium? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a there's certain games you noticed. I guess maybe because of the the different capacities that some that some schools had south carolina i know the broadcaster said it like that that stadium sounded loud okay so can I stop you right there on this broadcast team on uh, the sec network as a tennessee guy and someone who wrote about this game and took very uh very particular notes about this game um this broadcast team the sec network doesn't pretend to be anything other than a propaganda network and that's who they've always been. And I'm okay with it. You get what you signed up for. It it has a very Fox Newsy feel to me. Um He was so over the top where it's like, you don't even notice the difference between and it's like, no, you you do. There's a difference. Like this is a good environment for COVID, but like, no. You you know that it doesn't feel like a full hundred thousand person stadium. Like this is not the same thing. Like, you don't have to just like 
be weirdly over the top of like it just means more in south carolina on saturday night like the, it's rocking things are perfect things are natural and it's like well no that's that's not what happened and also matt stinchcomb should not be allowed to call another tennessee game that is something that um, what do you got I, against matt stinchcomb he was it, like i'm not a i am not usually a my the announcer hates my team guy i've always been very there are a lot of those guys out there. There are a lot of those guys out there. Um, you and I probably know a lot of them personally. However, this was an instance where he absolutely was rooting for South Carolina in this game. The amount of notes where I I just paused and I was like, what did he just say? There was moments where he like was sighing as South Carolina was faltering. <laughs> and it was he was so over the top about South Carolina. I'll be Carolina. honest, I, I couldn't have cared... I or I couldn't I shouldn't say I couldn't have cared less, but I had no rooting interest in that mm. game until about five p.m. I would say mm. when when this clown over here starts texting me about Georgia <laughs> Arkansas, then I was like, you know what? I definitely want South Carolina to win today. But uh, yeah, I think Georgia honestly was probably one of the teams that benefited from the not a full capacity crowd because with how bad things are going in the first half, they're obviously just playing Arkansas, but it's like that home crowd like with doing nothing on offense over and over again. I imagine that home crowd might could have gotten Arkansas back in the game, create a more hostile environment, but it just, you know, what have gotten Arkansas back in the game, <laughs> a, d- a different roster, a different quarterback. <laughs> Felipe, Felipe Franks, Franks, man, he's, he's uh, still he's, bad. He's Georgia's Georgia fans, favorite quarterback. He's still really bad. Like, really yeah. bad. The quarterback play in the first half of that Georgia game, like, DJ Shockley, I thought, was just going to lead the set. I don't think... It, it was painful for him to get through. Yeah, it really was. I think I think we can put to bed uh, the rumors that Jamie Newman sat out because he uh, he was secretly beaten out in practice. <laughs> I think there's, there's no way that that happened. Like, I mean, obviously, he's playing at Wake Forest. Like, I don't know exactly how good Jamie Newman is, you know, playing against the ACC competition. But, like, seeing what you saw from Dwan Mathis for a quarter and a half yesterday, he just, he just doesn't look like an SEC quarterback. You know, I mean, obviously, there's... Kirby even said that there is like on the interception, the way that coverage is, the receiver's supposed to sit down instead of break to the middle. So maybe that wasn't his fault, but it was a uh, it was it was not a good throw. It was nowhere near where the where the receiver was. So it could just be miscommunication. You know, I'm not going to say Dwan Mathis is never going to be a good player, but as soon as Stetson Bennett came in, the offense at least had a little bit of life. So oh, I'll get to Stetson Bennett. In a second. <laughs> Are we not ready for that? No, we'll get to Let's just talk about that. Cause I have some Mathis Bennett, this a lot of takes that I need to unleash on that game. Um, but okay. we'll get there. Um, let's start off. Um, I have my list in front of me and then you can, uh, once we go through these games, you can, uh, go through, uh, who won this week. Uh, I hope I'm still undefeated. I don't know if you've checked before we started recording. Um, what the the tally was for this week? Yeah, do you want me to go ahead and give you those? Yeah, let's just do it now. Let's just numbers see. for the weekend. Yes, let's do it. Well, um, I gotta say it was an excellent weekend for myself. Oh, but no. uh, but uh, I'll start with you. You went eight and three overall for just yes. the wins and losses. That's what we're talking about, folks. That that's solid. But against the spread, whew, you didn't have a great week. Four four and six and one mm. since. Cincinnati uh, over Army was a that was the one push of the weekend. Mm. Uh, so I, on the other hand, was nine and two overall, 
eight, two, and one against the spread. Oh you wow! Know? Okay. I want to hype myself up, but I was uh, your boy made some money this weekend. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh, on the on the season now against the spread, you're fifteen and fourteen. I'm fourteen and fifteen, and overall you are twenty and ten, and I am nineteen and eleven. So I'm oh my god! So this is one a big game week back for us. after one week. That's a lot of pressure for this Thursday show. Oh yeah, it's a it's a long season, sir. I don't like this. I, I was back now, in. I I told you now that we're back to SEC. The big boys are playing. None of these, not as many of these <laughs> small conference matchups. With all due respect to the group of five, I uh, I had it going this weekend. I was I was proud of my performance. Got back in the win column. All right, well, let's get into Saturday's games. Um, and shots fired at the University of Texas San Antonio, who improved to three and zero after a late Friday night win in uh, unbelievable circumstances. Asher O'Hara, who could forget? Just a, a great effort from him from Middle Tennessee State, but they fall to 0-3, and uh, the Roadrunners, 3-0. and uh, Shout out to them. Um, first up on my list, I think we have to talk about Alabama first. Um, this was just one of those things where we were never worried, and Bama is uh, going to be fine with Jalen Waddell as their new number one, uh, eight receptions, 134 yards, two TDs, Mac Jones, very comfortable, has a cannon. He's going to be fine. Najee Harris, three TDs on the ground on 17 carries. Um, Mizzou was never in this game. They got some garbage points to make this score look uh, a little bit better. They had 13 fourth quarter points when Alabama was done. Bama, I think, looked the best of all SEC teams this weekend. Is that fair? I'd say that's fair. I would. They just looked. They looked like Alabama, really. They looked like they were in midseason form. I feel like the offense, it seemed flawless. You know, I um, obviously Missouri. I'm not sure what to expect from Missouri this year. They're going to be one of the the worst teams in the SEC, at least probably bottom four, bottom five in the SEC. But uh, you had to be pleased with what you saw. All you can do is go against the team you're playing and. Mac Jones looked good. Like you said, Jalen Waddle, that nasty catch he made. Jalen Waddle looked good. Najee Harris looked good. They uh they they looked in midseason form for sure. The biggest stunner for me this weekend. Let's get into this because I was eating lunch um at a local spot uh before the game and uh before the Georgia game and the Tennessee game, and there was one lone Kansas State fan at this establishment. And mm. he was so demoralized when I got there. Like he was just not having a good time when Oklahoma was up big and it looked like the game was in hand. He was just like, are we about to lose to Arkansas state and then lose to Oklahoma in this way? Like just not, not a good start to the Chris Spielman year two era. And, and boy, Oklahoma. So the jokes are crazy. I think people overreact to these like Oklahoma obviously did this last year and lost to Kansas state um, in a similar fashion, but just dumb play. Spencer Rattler had a really bad pass in this game. Um, Oklahoma. I just, these are going to happen. They're still probably going to go nine and one. They're still going to be the best team in the big 12, but I don't understand why they struggle so much against this k-state team but i love chris Kleiman. this dude he he's not he's just not scared like how do you get this team up for oklahoma and how do you beat 
Oklahoma and lose to a pretty bad Arkansas State team the week prior. Like, they're one and one as we expected, just different results. Yeah, seriously, I uh, I think everyone would expect Kansas State to be one and one after after the first two games of the season, but you are not expecting them to lose to Arkansas State and then beat Oklahoma. And and it's even crazier. Like obviously these upsets happen, but to to be up thirty five to fourteen with what a minute left in the third quarter, yeah. and and still lose. This is a bad loss for Oklahoma. And not the worst. I feel like especially this weekend though. We should say it, we'll get to that. Not, um, it's, it's a bad loss just because I think extra pressure was put on Oklahoma this year. Cause they usually have a pretty solid out of conference schedule. You know, usually they've had like Ohio state or Tennessee, some of those big marquee non-conference matchups. And this year there's none of those, you know, it's just all big 12. So I feel like the, there was added pressure on them to run the table, uh, a one loss, a nine and one Oklahoma team, or maybe 10 and one, if they still win the big 12, I think all, I think a, the SEC and the group of five teams are celebrating this victory this weekend because I think they just a, a spot in the college football playoff just opened up because Oklahoma's essentially had an automatic spot. Was it three, four years in a row of and we're not really sure exactly how good they are every year because the Big 12, like they put up big time points, you know, they always have an elite offense. But I don't know this year. I don't know if uh, if a one loss if it if it's enough you know if they're talking about maybe someone like Cincinnati going undefeated or a second SEC team trying to get in there maybe even Notre Dame and Clemson trying to get in there you know i think a lot of conferences are going to celebrate this weekend because it's looking like an increased possibility that the Big 12 doesn't get anyone in the college football playoff well hold on texas is back sir yeah okay i'll uh, i don't they pull that they we'll get that victory. Save that. Yeah, save that. that was, was just an I easy. I was shocked by that one. Um, I think people should just calm, calm down on the Lincoln Riley takes. Calm down on Oklahoma and the jokes. Like obviously they got boat raced in brutal fashion by LSU in the playoff last year, and we know um how this defense works. But another thing too about when people talk about this defense in Oklahoma, my my point a lot of times with this is that it's really hard to have a good defense when your offense scores as quickly and as efficiently as Oklahoma does. Like the defense is just on the field a bunch. So if they're not just getting a bunch of turnovers, like they are built around that Grinch style of the offense is going to be awesome. We know we're going to give up a lot of points. We know we're going to give up a lot of yards, but we need to win in limiting explosive plays and also limiting turnovers. So that is, is something that they just they have to just cross their fingers about when they play really good teams. But this is something that's always going to be a possibility when you have the kind of offense that Oklahoma runs. Like Lincoln Riley is an offensive genius. Lincoln Riley, the people who make jokes about Oklahoma would kill to have Lincoln Riley running the program. Like Lincoln Riley is a top five coach in college football. He is someone who could be the Cowboys coach if he wanted it. Like he is very good. And he is a offensive savant, but the defense is going to have to get figured out at some point. It just is. And, um, I don't know. I think it's very tough and I think it's a lot more complicated than, uh, we let on of just like go hire, uh, whoever, like the next, um, go, go get Marcus Arroyo or something like it just, it's not going to be that simple. You can't just go 
get Dave Aranda if he flames out in uh, <laughs> Baylor. It just it's not gonna fix their problems. And I uh, I don't know. I think people should just calm down about Oklahoma. Oklahoma's still good. Oklahoma's obviously still good, but I I have a hot take for you. Oh no. Lincoln Riley is the most overrated coach in college football. How do you even come to this? Tell me what Oklahoma has done differently since Lincoln Riley took over that they weren't doing when Bob Stoops is the head coach. Wait, what? I'm saying since Lincoln Riley took over Oklahoma, they're the exact same team as they were when Bob Stoops is the head coach. Like Bob Stoops is obviously a really good coach, but they're, They'd have Heisman winning quarterbacks. Won a national title. 50 points per game. I mean, they also won a title. That was a long time ago. But they won a title. They did, but it was in 2000. Was that his his first year, second year, I think he won a title? And then, I mean, they're playing playing for big games every other year in Bob Stoops' career. Yeah, they're in it. But they never, they never win those games. Other than the one time in 2000, I mean, they're in in so many games. We had Bradford versus Tebow. And they lost. But they're still and in it. They were the second best team in the country that year. It's an elite course. program. They're getting there. Of course, but that was also the era before the playoffs. So their their regular season resume was enough to put them in the top two. And then they don't win. Like, every time. Against LSU, against, uh, against like you said, Florida. And now... They're getting. They're not getting all the way to the final. Uh, to the final two. They're getting to the final four because they win their conference every year, and they haven't won one game in the college football playoff. I think they're Owen at least Owen four, maybe Owen five. I'd have to. I'd have to look that up. But it's. I feel like they're the exact same program as they were when Bob Stoops left. It's like I'm not sure how we evaluate how good Lincoln Riley is because he hasn't really changed anything about this program. Like they don't play defense. They score 50 points a game, they beat up on the Big 12, and then they lose as soon as they play the best team from but what would you rather them another conference. Oh, I'm not saying they need to fire uh, Lincoln Riley by any means, but I feel like in one year, two years as a head coach, obviously, I think, what, has he been the head coach? This is his fourth year now? I think so. But after one or two years, people were ready to put him in. Like you just said, he's an offensive savant. And he is. He's one of the elite coaches in college football, but I'm just not really sure why. Like he's just essentially just continuing the same the same thing Oklahoma was doing 15 years before. You know, and obviously Oklahoma had success, so it's not a bad thing to continue Oklahoma's tradition, you know, but he's he's not getting them to another level than they were previously at. So I just Lincoln Riley is obviously a great coach, but the people who think he's like a clear top five coach in college football. Give me five ahead of Lincoln Riley right now. Five ahead of Lincoln. I feel like I would go Saban. Okay. Put me on the spot. You got to go yeah. Saban and Dabo, of course. Okay. Kirby Smart is a better no, coach. No, no. Riley he is. If you no, look at what Georgia was, but no. before, but look at what, hold on, but look at what Georgia was before. He has the same record as Mark Richt at this point. No, but. No, yeah, those but those first four years of Mark Richt, Georgia was elite. Like Georgia was finishing top five. Like those first four ri- years of Mark Richt were great years. Oh. It's the last seven years of Mark Richt that you know and the that might program kind of seven years of Kirby. Say that again. That might be the last seven years of Kirby. No, I'm saying if you look at what Georgia was 2010, 2009 to like 2015. Georgia had plateaued as a program. You know, there's what, in those like five or like seven years or so, Georgia finished top five maybe once. 
top 10, maybe two or three times in that seven year period. Like got to, got to two sec championships, didn't win either. Kirby's got this team at an elite level, but I'm not trying to get into Kirby. I'm just Kirby true. Like he changed Georgia's program. Georgia was a team that was good that no one was afraid of. You know, they were, they're fine. They're good every year, but they didn't, they don't win any big games. You know, now obviously people are going to say, Oh, Kirby doesn't win big games either. But I mean, he's going 11 and one and get to the SEC championship. Like he's clearly contending for the college football playoff three years in a row, you know? So I is Oklahoma. Like, but I'm saying Oklahoma was doing that before Lincoln Riley got there. Georgia yeah, wasn't keeping it going. But Georgia wasn't consistently doing that before Kirby took over and Kirby elevated them to a level that How is that they Lincoln Riley's at. fault? No, it and it's not Lincoln Riley's fault, but and that's Lincoln what I'm Riley saying. Lincoln Riley rejuvenated that program. Remember what that offense but, was? Oklahoma fans were getting nervous before Lincoln Riley got handpicked by Bob Stoops to come over. People forget, like, it wasn't as smooth sailing offensively until Lincoln Riley got brought in, and he was I mean, they were from still Eastern there. Carolina. Oklahoma was scoring a lot of points. They though. were, but like, this not to this level. They weren't putting Heisman quarterbacks back to back to back to back. I mean, that's true, but is that is that all, all They're the literally quarterback you now. I mean, I'll, I'll, give him, I'll give him credit, like... They've had he's gotten the most out of the quarterback position for sure. But he could literally get anybody, and he's going to turn him into a star. Like Jalen, sure, you're going to be an air raid guy now, and he just transitioned. But how much of that is that the Big Twelve doesn't play any defense? Like no, Jalen, Jalen was a different. I just don't know. That's but that's only my that's my only point. Just comparing Kirby you just and Lincoln. Really Ryan. hate Lincoln Riley. I don't know where I just, this is coming from. He's a good coach, but it's like Ryan Day. It's like calling Ryan Day. A Ryan top Day five is coach. an elite coach. It's like he's a good coach, but he hasn't done anything to tell me how elite he is yet you know know. what i mean that's fair i feel like that's i feel like lincoln riley and ryan day are on that same level they're most likely great coaches but like let's let them prove it before we already put them in that conversation i think i think i would say brian kelly i think brian kelly has proven more as a as a head coach than lincoln riley has personally interesting see now that's a conversation i would have because i think brian kelly has done the most with the least of any of the power five like playoff contending coaches and then even dan mullen i think dan mullen is proven Ooh, more. i like that too i would say dan mullen's a better coach than lincoln riley as all yes yeah so i i know kirby i know that's gonna come off as we're home. not putting in ed orgeron national ed orgeron winner. dude that's if lincoln riley's the most overrated in my opinion ed orgeron's the second most overrated coach in well, college we'll get football. to that game in a second because we Man. both had a little hunch that this was not going to go the way that people thought it was but um I did. I'm mad at myself as I was watching this game. I was just mad that I was like I didn't have the balls to just pull the trigger on the mistake uh, upset, and I should have. Um, as I I thought, up. I kind of thought you were going to. Honestly. I really wanted I to. You could hear it in my voice you, last week. You actually took LSU, and well, I took LSU, but I took point. Mississippi State to cover. I don't think so. No, I, I wrote that. We can play the tape. I'll go back okay. through it. I know. We'll have to, we'll have to go covered. to the tape. I, I as uh, we'll, we'll have to go to the tape because yeah, I like uh, I like my honestly, Mike Leach. Mike Leach might be a better head coach no. than Lincoln. Right? No. I don't know. I might be no. stretching that. That's, you're stretching there. <laughs> I respect uh, Mike Leach. Though. Everyone, I do too. Everyone loves but he's him. not better than Lincoln Riley. No, that's um, right. True. We're just flapping our gums. Georgia. The post Jamie Newman era is not off to a great start, and. Look, you got out of there, great. Here's the problem with this kind of issue this season for Georgia in particular. Dewan Mathis, if, like, Aaron Murray tweeted about this 
this is not, if you want him to be your guy all season long and you want him to bounce back, you cannot jerk him back in and out like that. Like he looked demoralized on the sidelines. Like he was awful. He was objectively awful and just missing throws. He has a cannon. Like that dude can throw it 80 yards downfield, but throw it through a car wash without getting wet. Yeah. (laughs) According to David Pollack, whatever. I guess, I guess that's good. Sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He was not good. And Stetson Bennett is, I I tweeted this, the same energy as Matt Saracen when he came in that second half and Georgia fans, what I realized, and I was texting my family who are all diehard Georgia fans. Um, we were talking about this because my dad was so in on Stetson Bennett and I was like, this is, you were just so annoyed with Mathis that you're now talking yourself into Bennett. But I'm like, you had national title expectations or at least playoff expectations this year. Stetson Bennett cannot commit. There's no alternative unless you're like, well, let's try Carson Beck next week because there's no way Georgia can go nine and one with Stetson Bennett. You also can't play Stetson Bennett next week because guess who's coming to town for game day? Auburn. Like I'm not I'm not sure I understand Georgia's your in logic. Real trouble. They don't have Bennett. time to figure this out. They don't have time to get Dwayne Math. My bigger my bigger point is that Georgia does not have time to get Mathis back on track because I think what he needed more than anything was Coastal Carolina in week one. That is what I think he really, really needed was playing the Citadel or something to open the season with a full stadium and he could just beat the shit out of a bad group of five team. And instead he had to open up with an SEC team with a good defense. Barry Odom had his guys ready to play. Like Arkansas deserves credit for how they were playing in that first half defensively. Offensively, they do not at all. Um, I just, I don't think you can solve this quarterback problem this season because they're just going to be playing elite competition every week. So if you throw Mathis back out there, like Auburn's better. Auburn's going to have their way with him. And if you throw Bennett out there, guess what? A week of tape and like Kevin Steele is not worried about Stetson Bennett. He's worse than Joe Cox. He's worse than, I mean, he is 5'8", can barely see over the line. He runs around like a crazy person. Like I shout out to him. Like he's got some Jeff Garcia, Matt Saracen vibes, but he sucks. And like it needs to be said, like he he sucks, and he is not someone. How can you be, say this guy sucks? He should not start. He went twenty on, of twenty nine. Oh, two hundred eleven yards, two touchdowns, so Grayson no picks. Lambert. Made some plays with his legs. He of did. course, Grayson Lambert is is terrible. I'll give you that. But so is Stetson, Stetson Bennett. Bennett. Arkansas is just he, that bad, not, and now Georgia fans, you're one of them now. Who is like, hey, maybe. No, no, I'm not was, one of them, but he was a zero star for a reason. He is atrocious. I I just don't know I how you can say he's atrocious. I can't wait. When you've you've seen him play one game and he played solid. Like Dwan Mathis looked terrible. So it's not that Georgia fans are like, oh, Stetson Bennett's the guy that's gonna lead us to the promised land. Obviously, there might be some homers out there that say that, but there's no reason why Dwan Mathis should start ahead of Stetson Bennett or no, definitely not Carson, Carson Beck, Beck. Honestly, this dude's never played in a game. Like a JT Daniels, the the only conversation is JT Daniels. As soon as he's cleared and if he's healthy, like you could have but a do conversation you really about throw him. JT Daniels out against Auburn in his first start. No, I w- I definitely wouldn't. And obviously, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, even if he's cleared on Wednesday, it's like you need a lot more than a couple days to prepare for Auburn. You know, so with how Stetson Bennett 
played in the first game, I think there's no question that he's the starter for, for week two against Oh, I Auburn. can't wait. I Guess mean, who's going to lock up Auburn this week? Um, yeah, George is in real trouble. And this leads us to a team that's not in real trouble. My pick. Hey, but hold on, hold on. Before uh-huh. you go too far, Auburn's going to have to score some points on Georgia to beat Oh, we'll them. get that's to Auburn too. Because I Georgia's, watched that entire Georgia's game. Georgia's got a defense. That's, that's the only thing. They might not... They're... They're one of the teams that doesn't need a quarterback as much as as some other teams out there. Like everyone needs a quarterback to win it all. But if they get solid play out of their quarterback, just decent average QB play, Georgia could still be one of the best teams in the SEC. I would agree. Well, a team that is actually one of the best teams in the SEC, the Florida Gators. <laughs> um, my pick to win the East this year, Kyle Trask, picking up right where he left off through six touchdowns. Um. My biggest takeaway from this game, Kyle Pitts is, uh, <laughs> I don't know how anyone is going to defend this guy. And he, he is a cheat code and Florida knows that he's a cheat code and he is going to cause a lot of sleepless nights for defensive coordinators in the SEC this fall. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in the country. And I feel like it's, it's not even close. Like he's. He's clearly he he's just he's a dude, as they say. He's a uh, Florida's offense was pretty much unstoppable. They had I think they had eleven drives uh, on Saturday, and nine of them ended up in points. Pretty good, in my opinion. That's I think that's that's pretty good. You know, I, I think that's what you're going for when you're when your offense is on the field. Florida's just good, and Ole Miss like they stayed in it early. They had some good. I the highlight for Ole Miss for me was the bag man the sack of cash for getting a turnover that what was that (laughs) (laughs) oh man i guess just just embrace the uh the negative things people are saying about your program i guess i love it just be honest be honest with yourself be honest with what's happening people it, it, it's endearing when you don't pretend like the hugh freeze era was doing all of that and pretending that they were um the opposite they were a tidy just perfect uh perfect group good group of guys and uh link kevin's like no i'm paying my guys and uh we're now gonna mock everyone for uh pretending that we don't i i respect it <laughs> so I respect the openness <laughs> I, I respect it too. Florida, Florida definitely looked good. Is the is the thirty five points? Is that not that that doesn't matter to you? That doesn't. They had fourteen in the fourth. The game was over. Okay, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. It's a lot of could have. Florida could have put up more if you were watching this game. Like Florida took their foot off the gas. They could. But Florida's offense I feel like is going to be a going to be a problem. Yeah, without a doubt. I uh, I've I've. I've I've had my skepticisms about uh, about Florida's offense this year about Kyle Trask. You know, I, I I wasn't too high on him, and they're they're lose they lost five of their top seven receivers coming into this year. But one of the ones they did not lose was Kyle Pitts, and maybe that's all they need. You know, maybe they got just an, enough good receivers to make up for it. And Kyle and Kyle Pitts is a difference maker. I, I'm still curious to see what they can do running the ball. Like I know Kadarius Tony had that big run, so. They they had a good day running the ball. I think 196 yards on the ground, but um, it's still Ole Miss. You know, I don't want to I don't want to get too excited. Uh, what they did against Ole Miss, they're not a very good football team. But 
against these against this good competition, I'm really curious to see how well Florida can run the ball because last year they just they could not run the ball. And and you know if if Kyle Trask is running is throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns every game, then maybe they don't have to. But I'm I'm curious to see how how they look against a better defense. Kentucky loses at uh, Auburn this weekend. They fall 29 to 13. So if you didn't watch this game, the stats will deceive you. Bo Nix was very bad. Bo Nix is still someone that I'm not sold on is actually good. Like if you took away the five-star prospect label and you just looked at him from game to game and you, you went in blind, what would you think of Bo Nix? Because my first thought watching yeah. this game was Terry Wilson is a much better quarterback than Bo Nix. Terry Wilson did did look good at times. Yeah, Bo Nix, I just, I don't know. I'm just still, I, I feel like he doesn't throw that good of a ball. Like, he's he's solid. He's fine. I, he might be good enough to win, you know, but I don't know. I'm still not sold. Like you said, I'm not sold on Bo Nix. That's, as a Georgia fan, I feel like that's my most encouraging thing going into next week, Georgia-Auburn. I don't want to jump the gun on that, but. I uh, I'm I'm curious of what Bo Nix is is capable of against some better teams. Kentucky's a good defense, you know, and they they bring back a lot from last year. But I don't know. He just it's just not. He just doesn't look. He just doesn't pop out. You know, it doesn't pass the eye test for me. He's 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 solid, but he's he's got to be a lot better if Auburn is going to do is going to make some serious noise in the SEC. Next up, Texas. Here, hold on, hold on. Before oh, yeah. before we move on. I think the biggest thing I took away from this game was the the running game. Bo Nix had 34 yards rushing, and he led them in in, in rushing yards. I just I think Auburn's offense is is at its best when they can run the ball, and their their three headed monster combined for 65 yards. I uh, I'll be interested to see what they do next week. Chad Morris doesn't like it. I mean, remember Rakeem Boy was getting most of his stuff out of the backfield. It's not like they do the pistol stuff a bunch. They do a lot of misdirection. Like, I don't think we're going to see like a the the Auburn of old. The Cadillac Williams Ronnie Brown Auburn is not coming back with Chad Morris. I don't think. Oh no, you don't need the Cadillac. They're definitely they not want, going back to those days. But the the Trey Mason. Yeah, they need at least to be the carry Trey on. Mason and, and Carry on Johnson years, you know, and um, who's Cameron Petway when he when yeah. he was having such a good year. That's when Auburn's offense seems to be seems to work the best is when they have that that kind of bell cow. Texas, I, I like I'm already just stunned at this whole thing and just looking at my notes here. They go on the road at Lubbock. We both thought this game was going to be close. Texas should have lost this game, but unfortunately, Alan Bowman got cocky, did the horns down. You never want to do the horns down before the game's over, folks. And Texas Tech <laughs> loses 56 to 63 in overtime. They fall to one and one. Texas goes to two and oh, the number eight team in the country, and now the favorites to win the Big 12. What did you make of this game? I, um, I'll be honest, I thought Texas was going to blow out Texas Tech. I I think this is an indictment on Texas that this game was this close. I'm not saying I'm I'm going to judge Texas Tech on just one game, but that one game against Houston Baptist, almost almost losing to Houston Baptist, I assume they they have to be one of the worst teams in the Big 12 this year. So I 
I did take Texas plus I think seventeen. I think was the the line this this week. Yeah, obviously I, I was way off. How did I get five hundred <laughs> this week? I want to see the numbers. I want you to pull this back. I no longer trust your numbers. Hey, I'll I'll run it back for you, man. But um, yeah, I honestly gave up on this game when when Texas Tech was up fifteen with about three minutes left, and then I see. I get the update on the on the bottom line that the game's tied, and it's I uh, I got to give it up to Texas for for pu- finding a way to win this game. Good for them. Sam Ellinger is a guy like that dude just has no quit in him whatsoever. Alan Bowman is a really good quarterback, and I feel bad for him because he's been had an injury riddled time in Lubbock, but he showed out in this game: thirty-one of fifty-two, three hundred twenty-five yards, five TDs. Like he was phenomenal. But uh, Sam Ellinger was also phenomenal. And this is just, this is why the Big 12 is just so much fun to watch. Like, regardless of the jokes we make about the defense and everything else, this is insane. And also, one of their players should have died in this game. I sent you the tweet. Uh, oh, my God. How, he got up. He was in the next play. That Yeah, that really was. his The way his neck was bent <laughs> back, I, that looked awful. I, I don't know how he, he did that. But uh, football players are a different breed. Vanderbilt hurdling isn't always safe kids kids out there PSA Vanderbilt in their opener on the road at Texas A&M Texas A&M 10th team in the country they come away in a very ugly low scoring affair where it was like seven to five at the half Um, very weird game I was flipping back and forth and then watched what I could this morning on this game because you didn't miss a lot I love that Texas A&M went back to the the classic uniforms, the Dennis Franchelli specials. Good. I like um, those. They're good. The Dat Win era. Yes. Um, Kellen Mom was fine, 17 and 28 for 189 yards touchdown. Isaiah Spiller, eight carries, 117 yards. Vanderbilt, the offense still stinks, but the defense looks a little bit improved. Um, what did you make of their helmets? Because my roommate uh, said they were atrocious and they looked like Notre Dame helmets with uh, somebody scribbling all over them. What did you think? Because I like them. I like these goals. I, I don't know. I, I I was not a fan. I think Vanderbilt looks better when they're rocking like the black helmets. I just mm. I don't think they can get away with the gold. Okay, that's cool. just me. That's just my my fashion my fashion opinion, I guess. But uh, I think this is honestly the worst way to. I mean, other than, other than losing this game, this is the worst way Texas A&M could have started this year. Like seventeen to twelve against Vanderbilt, like. This is a year where a lot of people have thought it's pretty wide open. Like Alabama obviously appears to be the favorite in the West, but there's a lot of unproven teams out there. Obviously, Mac Jones looked good, but coming into the season, there's still a lot of uncertainty around him. This was supposed to be Texas A&M's year to break through. And if you're beating Vanderbilt 17-12 to to open the season, they looked like a five-loss team on Saturday to me. Yeah, this is not how you wanna you wanna get people excited about your breakthrough season. This is not what you wanted um, if you're a Texas A&M fan. So I am a little bit nervous about Texas A&M, and I'm excited to see what it looks like uh, when we get into this week's games. Um, Florida State on the road on the Saturday night game. Are you sure? Are you sure Florida State played this weekend? They tried. Uh, Florida State. I, I, I say, saw Miami weird. play. I didn't see Florida State play. <laughs> <laughs> They go on the road without Mike Norvell, who is uh, quarantining uh, with COVID. So uh, prayers and thoughts with him and hope he continues to recover and be okay. Um, 
Derek King goes 29 of 40 for 267 yards, two TDs, eight carries for 65 yards. Like he is just going full. I want the Heisman mode through three weeks on the Miami season. They are three and zero. they win this game 52 to 10. What was your, uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway? I honestly wasn't sure what to take away from this game that I, I feel like I, I don't want to draw any huge conclusions about Miami because I think Florida state is just awful. Like I drew more, more conclusions from the, from the Louisville game for Miami because I mean, obviously Louisville had another loss this week, but I, uh, I feel like they looked good. Miami essentially just dominated and I, I just don't know what to make of it. Cause Florida state, I just don't know how Florida state football got this bad. Like I just, Miami looks like they definitely look like a legit contender in the ACC. I mean, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if anyone can beat Clemson, but they, they're uh, definitely positioning themselves to to be near the top, and I don't feel like enough people. I mean, maybe maybe enough people were talking about it. I just wasn't given enough credit, but I don't think I truly realized how big of a difference De'Aaron King was gonna was gonna make at Miami that he could legitimately turn them into a college football playoff contender. It's a good story, and I'm I'm really happy for De'Aaron King. I James Blackman's terrible, and it is. Uh, it just looked like they were they were still so poorly coached. And I think Willie Taggart should be tweeting some sort of image every Saturday from here on out, right? <laughs> I'm sure he's loving it. It's just, I have a lot of family who went to Florida State. I have a soft spot for Tallahassee. It's a fun place to go. But the amount of crap that was thrown Willie Taggart's way. And look, he didn't recruit a quarterback for three years. Not a great strategy when you're trying to rebuild a program That's bold strategy <laughs> yeah like that was a that was a misnomer on his part um but there was just this idea that oh we got mike norvell now things will be fine and i was always a lot more skeptical about that i was skeptical about where they were going where this program was going and i am even more skeptical now florida state's just a really hard job and what it reminds me of now is Texas in a way where we just keep waiting for them to come back and people just they're back. And it's like, no, they're not like, they're still like the 12th best team in the country. If all things go right. And Florida State's best team in the conference or the country. Yeah. That that's like their upside now is my point. It's like, Oh, you're saying when they're back and we think they're back, like in two years, if Mike Norvell has this team rolling and they're, six and oh or whatever and people are like oh florida state's come back it's like no they're they're still not gonna have the talent i still don't think they're gonna be able to compete with the the biggest of schools and i still think they're gonna have a ceiling where they're like the second or third best team in, in their conference um they're just that florida state of old and that texas of old i don't think is ever all the way coming back and i don't know it's just it's really bad i think florida state's gonna continue to be really bad and uh it's not as simple as fire the coach it turns out in college football yeah, I've always had a saying about the ACC. I once once Clemson got good, it kind of it kind of changed things. But so outside of Clem, excluding Clemson, the 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 motto I always have for the ACC is that no no team is as good as you think they are, and no team is as bad as you think they are. It seems like everyone in the ACC, you know, you you think, oh yeah, Florida State's terrible, and then they'll beat they'll beat Boston College and beat <laughs> North Carolina like they shouldn't. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you know, Virginia Tech's good. And then they'll just turn around and they'll lose to Duke, you know. And it's like, it seems like this is the most impossible conference to predict who's going to be good 
year in, year out, obviously excluding Clemson because they've just been a powerhouse. But every other team, it's just it's like a crapshoot week in, week out of which team's going to show up. But maybe maybe we feel confident now that a bad Florida State team is going to show up every week. <laughs> Cincinnati beats the Army, the 22nd ranked Army cadets, 24 to 10. Um, this was about what we expected, right? Low scoring. Uh, Army had to get up early to be in this game. They were up 7-3 after one. Um, Desmond Ritter still slinging around there for the Bearcats. 18 for 33, 258 yards, two TDs. Um, this was a slow burner. Um, it took Cincinnati a lot to really kind of get a hold of this game, but they were never really able to blow this army team out so army's army's good but uh cincinnati keeping their playoff hopes alive moving to 2-0 <laughs> keeping the playoff hopes alive exactly i think this showed i kind of think how how respectable army is that you know like when they're when they're doing things the way their offense is clicking how it should they they likely won't get blown out by many teams. So it's like Cincinnati's clearly a better team and it just kind of it kind of seemed like it took a it took a little bit of time for them to separate, but the the cream rose at the top, if you will. Army's Army's fine, Cincinnati's better. That's 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 about my my analysis of the game. UCF goes on the road to East Carolina and beats the Pirates 51 to 28. Dylan Gabriel, 32 of 47, 408 yards, four TDs, and he remains in the Heisman conversation. Jalen Robinson, another big week for him, nine receptions, 150 yards, two TDs. Uh, what did you think of uh, UCF keeping the offensive explosion? Do they score less than 50 uh, at any point this season? I'd have to run through the schedule, but I I don't see anyone keeping them from scoring 50. They... Uh... This this offense looks legit, and uh, two two receivers with uh, with big games this weekend. I uh, I was definitely impressed by the UCF offense. Fun fact for you: East Carolina fans do not like it when you call them Eastern Carolina. Are you are you aware of this? I, I did not. It is a it's a touchy point for them. Uh, I learned this in my time with the College Football Hall of Fame when I when I pointed out Eastern Carolina on the uh, on the helmet wall and. This person was insulted that they're <laughs> East Carolina, not Eastern. So, but yeah, the uh, this game basically went exactly how we how we expected. UCF jumped up early and pretty much cruised. West Virginia traveled to Stillwater to face an Oklahoma State team that struggled the previous week. Um, Jarrett Jogi, as I call him, twenty of thirty-seven for two ninety-five yards. He was fine. Um, back-to-back weeks, Oklahoma State's offense really struggling. Um, they score 20 in the second quarter, but they only score one more touchdown. After that, they have two quarters of no scores. They ended up winning 27 to 13. Are you nervous about Oklahoma State? Yeah, without a doubt. I'd say more than anything, um, Chuba Hubbard was, was the guy that we thought was the known commodity for them. And, you know, he had a hundred yards rushing, but averaged 4.6 yards per carry had a touchdown. It's just didn't never really seem to get going. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm definitely skeptical. I mean, they did have, uh, 
is it ID Brown had a, also had a hundred yards on the ground, but uh, uh, I think Oklahoma State should be nervous after uh, after what we've seen from the Big Twelve so far this season. I'm I'm not buying Oklahoma State. The game of the week, prime time on the SEC Network, the game that America as a whole was watching. The Tennessee Volunteers, the 16th ranked Tennessee Volunteers, went into William Bryce Stadium and beat the South Carolina Gamecocks 31-27. to If you did not watch this game, you would not have a good idea as to why this game was this close, what was going on, why South Carolina lost. So I would like to uh, go ahead and do a round of applause uh, for my guy now, Will Muschamp. Why am I applying your boy? Will Muschamp? Will Muschamp, at the end of this game, because Will Muschamp is not a good coach, decided that kicking a field goal on fourth down with about two minutes left in the game to give the ball back to Tennessee and pray his defense can get a stop so he can burn his three timeouts, get a punt return, drive all the way back down the field, and then score a game-winning touchdown instead of just going for it on fourth down, which they have had success doing with um, Shy Smith and uh, Moose, right? Uh, whatever his name is. I don't think it's Moose. It's the tight end number nine. I it, I think it's Mook or Moose, whatever his name is. Anyway, <laughs> he was open over the middle all night long. Shy Smith had 10 receptions for 140 yards and a TD. He talks a lot, a lot of Patrick Beverly energy there. But he was open. Like, he was really, really good on the slant. His first step was just better than Tennessee's uh, nickel corners all night. But he kicked a field goal. Guess how many possession changes kicking a field goal against Tennessee in that moment uh, mattered. They were still down two scores. And he did it anyway. He didn't change anything. They still needed a touchdown to win. By him kicking the field goal from 24 to 31 to 27 to 31 guess what you still need a touchdown to win the football game it it is unreal that will muschamp thought it was a good idea to kick that field goal kick off to tennessee let bet on the defense to get a stop immediately because if they don't get one stop and tennessee had some terrible clock management themselves and dumb penalties to keep the the game going longer than it should have but like it was one of the all-time dumb dumb decisions by South Carolina because they were rolling. Are you about to make a case for this? I heard people saying the same thing on Twitter and I'm not sure I understand it. It was fourth and 12. Like I don't, you go for it because guess what? They got the ball back where they would have kicked off anyway, because guess what? Tennessee started their own 20 on the kickoff. That's where you were. No, I look, I disagree. They, oh, no. it was fourth and 12. What are their chances of converting a fourth and 12? That's like slim and none. They no. had 315 left in the game and they had all three timeouts. Like that was, that was exactly the play you had you to didn't make because change it makes anything. it, you're no longer, but it makes it, a, it definitely changes something. You get the ball back and a touchdown now wins the game instead of touchdown tying the game. If you didn't, obviously if you didn't convert, you would be still be down a touchdown. That touchdown ties the game, or that touchdown, if you get the ball back, wins the game instead of just tying the game. So I I did not understand the the heat Will Muschamp was getting on social media, and now you're saying it too. The, the, the 
punt, hit the hit the guy on the return team. Like if it's not if it's not for but that, that's why you don't Tennessee do it. I wrote about ball. this in my recap that you can read at Chase. But Tennessee gets the ball back with a minute and a half, like sixty yards from the end zone, seventy yards from the end zone. Like that's a chance to win a game in college football without a doubt. I don't, I don't understand why why so many people are hating on this because if it's a fourth and five and they choose to kick the field goal to go down four, I like I'm with you. Like go for it and try to try to win the game. But a fourth and twelve, like South Carolina From you the saw gun, that offense. No, like, they could South Carolina has not convert, converted. They a missed it wide open tight end play right before that. You go for I it just, every time. Shy Smith, I, inside I, slant. I, He's probably gonna get it. I just I felt like that was the with with all three timeouts left with three minutes that's an eternity in college football like oh, with God. the with the clock stoppages on the first downs and everything I I thought that was definitely the right move because you were not going to convert well you that would have lost and the twelve game too. and then you're in the same position where you got to get a stop and then if you get the ball back now you're down seven instead of down four so I I feel like that that's the right call in my opinion for Will Muschamp to make it's just unfortunate that the punt hit someone on the return team and then Tennessee recovered it and they never got a chance because they had a puncher's chance to win that game with a minute and a half left. Let me just go ahead and say another thing about this game. Henry Tototo, <laughs> all in. He's lost to-o-to-o? like 90 pounds. Is that how you pronounce it? It's Tototoa, yeah. And okay. he had one of the most disrespectful interception return touchdowns I've ever seen. Did you see his return yeah. Shy Smith, he gets it from Shy Smith. Shy Smith is confused as to where the ball is. Gets stiff armed as Toto, Toto Toe, already picked it, and then stiff arms him into the ground from after ripping the ball away. And it was so disrespectful, and I loved it so much. And it was a 10 out of 10 return. And uh, shout out to him. Great game. Tennessee, one of It was good stuff. The March yeah, of 10 and 0 continues. It definitely satisfied my. Uh, my my late my late night college football appetite that Tennessee South Carolina game because God knows that Miami Florida State game wasn't competitive after like ten minutes so th- this was a great game this is a, a reminder that SEC football is back it was great NC State goes on the road after uh, beating Wake Forest the previous week um, they fall to one and one and Virginia Tech moves to one and zero. Oh. Uh, Hendon Hooker not available along with a bunch of other uh, Virginia Tech players in this game. How but about they, that? But they still roll. They're up 31-10 at the half. They blow out NC State. Um, very surprising. Missing a bunch of coaches, players, and it didn't matter. They uh, Yeah, missing missing 23 players and the starting quarterback and win 45-24. That was, that was my lock of the week. You know, no big deal. There you go. Just as you drew it up. <laughs> Pittsburgh, exactly, speaking of man. things you didn't drop correctly, Pittsburgh hosted <sighs> the Louisville Cardinals, who Pittsburgh, 10 out of 10 uniforms, just all-time great uniforms here. They Did you see the slam dunk, moving slam dunk that they did on the sidelines in this game? I'm sorry, I did not, I did not okay, see Okay, you got to look at, they brought, they had their own goal, basketball goal, and they dunked on the sideline um, during this game. It was oh, great. Oh, man, bringing back the Mississippi State. I guess, I don't even remember that. The, uh, oh, who's the, the Joe Moorhead era? Oh, you don't remember that? They, like, would have a little, like, mini goal, and people would, like, pretend to be, like, doing, like, between-the-legs dunks on it was and stuff. Oh, it was State? terrible. Like, 
Yeah, like a, I guess just some grad assist or someone would hold up the goal. It's not as bad as the trash can that uh, the Tennessee busted out, the Butch <laughs> Jones a few years ago, but Winners it's right life. there with it. Oh, and that's the thing. Joe Moorhead, yeah, he would like pretend to throw an alley-oop, too. He would like pretend to throw an alley-oop, but a guy catches a, a phantom ball and then would dunk it. It was, it was terrible. God. Well, Pittsburgh. But I'll have to look up. You said Pittsburgh did it or Louisville? Yeah, Pittsburgh did. And Pittsburgh moves to 3-0. Oh, Two and zero in the ACC after this game. Louisville falls zero and two in the ACC. Um, the preseason darling falls to the preseason. Are we sure this team's good? And folks, Pittsburgh is actually good, and I think they're going to the ACC title game. Yeah, the um, this 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 week the third game is uh is me officially stepping off of the louisville cardinal bandwagon oh i was you're, uh, you're moving on i was i was buying it early on after the miami loss you know i was like they look they still looked all right miami's good team after this pittsburgh loss not saying pittsburgh's not good but um i feel like i'm not i'm not buying louisville anymore i uh i was not impressed with malik cunningham this weekend they uh wasn't wasn't a great week for for louisville Speaking of areas where Matt got wrong and jumped on the wrong bandwagon, another ACC team lost this weekend. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets went on the road to Syracuse, where Dino Babers got his. Sir, first I would win. never jump on the Georgia Tech bandwagon. You did. Right, I need to go Let ahead and the squash show, that. You right have been now. salivating over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets after that opening win against. Let me check my notes here. The worst team in the ACC. That's. That's accurate. I, to be <laughs> fair, my Georgia Tech, my, my Georgia Tech hot take is for like five years down the road. Not not for this year. They're, you bet on them to cover in still, this game too. You had them winning. No, Georgia Tech. That, we didn't pick this game. No, we did when we were talking about it. We did. We did oh, put it on the oh. list. But this was something that I distinctly remember being like, "Oh yeah, there, there's no chance they're winning this game." Mm, Play the tape, that, folks. Never might, bet against Tommy. Might DeVito be out about the, that uh, one. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, the true freshman running back out of uh, Dalton, though he looks good, but that's about the only, the only thing. Jeff Sims looked good against Florida State because they were awful, apparently. But he's he's come back down to earth. Baylor rolls over Kansas, who, whew, Kansas is bad, my friends. Um, Baylor. Gets an opening win for game one in the Dave Aranda era. Good start to the offense. Uh, Larry Fedora um, really has that offense rolling based on what they were a year ago. Kansas is in real trouble. Baylor wins 47-14. to is, uh, is Les Miles regretting his uh, his decision to come out of retirement? I feel like I he don't has think to so. be. Because like, he had no other offers and he gets to coach with... he Jeff Long is the AD there. They're buddy buddy. There's no expectations. They could still beat Texas in a couple weeks, and everything's forgotten. Like, I think being the Kansas, you think this team's beating great. Texas in a couple weeks? It would not surprise me. Like, this team's going to beat somebody dumb. Like, Les Miles is going to beat somebody dumb in the Big Twelve this year for sure. It might be Oklahoma State, honestly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, any of anyone in the Big Twelve is is a candidate to lose any week at this point. Virginia. Beats the Duke Blue Devils, who are atrocious in the Chase Bryce era, bringing shame to the Chase name. 
Virginia goes to 1-0 in the ACC. Duke falls to 0-3 in the ACC, 0-3 overall. Brendan Armstrong goes 24-45 for 269 yards, two TDs. UVA, defense is strong. They look good. They're going to be very solid in the ACC. A great 6-4 and four season ahead for the Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah, I... Um... With with how they looked yesterday, I uh, if Georgia had opened with them instead of Arkansas, who knows? They could have they could have lost that game. But um, I uh, I'm not sure what to make of Duke. They they don't look very good. Virginia Virginia looks better. I uh, I don't think either of these teams is going to be competing. I mean, do you think Virginia is going to be competing for anything in the ACC this year? I don't. But this was a nice start for them. I I like I. Bronco Mendenhall is a great coach and this defense is still good. And I think Brandon Armstrong's going to be fine. So I don't think they're going to compete for like, could they compete to the second or third spot? Yeah. I, like North Carolina did not have that on lock and Pitt doesn't have it on lock. So I think they're, they're in the conversation for sure. Miami's in that conversation too, right? Miami too. Obviously. Okay. Yes. Okay. Iowa right State, now Miami looks, Miami looks better than North Carolina to me right now. Yes. I think Miami looks, I mean, and we can't forget Notre Dame. <laughs> because Notre Dame is oh, ACC yeah, team yeah. this year. Um, That's so State, whack, by the way. I feel like they're like literally right in the middle of Big Ten country, like geographically. Well, they they're want in, to like, be in the, the Big Ten. They would be anywhere. They clearly don't want to be in the Big Ten. They're they're scared of the Big Ten. Are they scared? I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm just throwing out hot takes, but I don't know. They're just such a Big Ten team. Yeah, they're right near Chicago, right in the middle of Indiana, like. They definitely should be. Yeah, I would be. flip them. I would flip them into the Big Ten, and I'd put Rutgers in the ACC. It, it would be perfect. Like just a yeah, a team that's actually on the Atlantic coast. That's yes, a, that's a crazy concept there. But yeah, like and Ohio also State, Michigan, Maryland and Notre Dame, in. Maryland in the Big Ten will never make any sense to me. No, they're just I, not a Big Ten. I, I feel team. like I still don't believe it. I see it, and I'm like, no, it's not right. Juan Dixon and. And Lonnie Baxter, they're, they're still an ACC team to me. Gary Williams rolling over in his grave. Hey, um, that was a great team. Gary Williams, <laughs> rest in peace. Is he dead? Is he? I don't know. He, he said he's rolling over in his grave. I was just making a joke because I was going to look it up. Uh, I was okay. like, is he actually God dead? Rest his I hope soul. he's not. Um, Iowa State goes on the road in an ugly, ugly game where Brock Purdy had the worst interception I've ever seen against the TCU Horn Frogs. Did you see this where he got spun around, threw it up in the air, and TCU had an easy pick six? No, I did not see this. Okay, I highly encourage you after we get out this podcast to look at this. It's it was wild. I didn't I didn't see much of this game if I'm being honest. Uh Iowa State I was just uh I was just glad I was right and you were wrong and Iowa State But it was close because you were just like I don't think TCU could be in it and I'm like TCU is gonna absolutely be in it. And I still think if they're not going with the backup Max Duggan at quarterback. They probably win this game because TCU looked uh, looked like the better team. Iowa State so has Matthew, no problems. So Matthew Downing started, but they went to Max Duggan? I mean, yeah, excuse me. I, I had it Okay. Flipped. Yes. So, yeah, his, his numbers are way better in that game. So maybe, maybe they found their quarterback. All right, let's breeze through these final games here. BYU beats, and you can stop me if you have any thoughts on any of these. BYU rolls over Troy. 48 to 7 and moved to 2 and 0. Louisiana moves on to 3 and 0 after surviving against Georgia Southern, barely beating another Georgia team, but they're 3 and 0. Shout out to Billy Napier's team. Um, did we miss any other Appalachian State bounces back after a loss to Marshall? I feel like I feel like 
we didn't talk about LSU Mississippi State. Oh, we we did skip LSU Mississippi State. That was. I feel like that was like the biggest uh, the biggest story of the weekend. Maybe I. You know what it was? I scratched them out because I just I thought we already went through it. But you're right. We did miss uh, Mississippi State and LSU. Uh, my KJ Costello hype. Feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I am. I am who I jumping the, the gun? Said, uh, best quarterback in the SEC this year, KJ Costello, in our preview series. Did you say he would be the best? I did. Did you really? Honestly, I was actually listening to our show from from Thursday, and I I was I was giving KJ Costello some some love as well. Mm-hmm. He uh, he definitely he definitely could be. I I didn't have the bold prediction coming into the year that you did, but uh, with how with how wide open uh, the SEC is among the quarterbacks, I mean, we really. We have no idea who the best quarterback in the SEC is going to be. So, right now, it looks like Kyle Trask and KJ Costello. But uh, am I jumping the gun on the stud of the week? If I if I bust it out right now, uh, yes. This, let's do it. Let's do the stud of the week. Who is it? My stud of the week is uh, well, I have two, but the number one is KJ Costello, without a doubt. Like they thirty six of sixty for six hundred and twenty three yards. That's a SEC record for passing yards in his first ever game in the SEC. That Mike Leach fun and gun, loving it. They had among their actual running backs, they had ten carries in this game. It was just all pass the entire game, what Mike Leach loves to do. KJ Costello. So they have nine rushing yards because KJ <laughs> Costello was sacked five times for negative thirty eight yards. But the actual running game got basically got 10 carries for 49 yards. Essentially, I mean, it was decent yards per carry, but essentially got nothing out of the running game. And Costello just sat back and just picked this LSU defense apart that had, what, one starter from last year? I think they brought back three starters, and two of them were sitting out. And obviously, Derek Stingley had that. That was probably the biggest thing that affected this game. I'm sure Derek Stingley... Uh, junior being out of this game i'm sure that's probably that could be enough for lsu to have won this game but uh yeah mississippi state i think we were both we both thought mississippi state would uh would give lsu a run for their money neither of us picked them to win it but uh it was a honestly i gained a lot of satisfaction in this in this lsu loss because i have been I've been talking mad shit about Ed Ordron all offseason. I was just yes. going to say it. Like, I just, I feel like it was just the perfect storm of just a number one overall talent at quarterback, a great offensive coordinator that was finally utilizing all the NFL talent that LSU had on the roster. Most, most NFL draft picks of all time uh, for, for one team in a single draft. Like, it was just a perfect storm. I just refuse to believe that LSU, that uh, Ed Ordron became an elite head coach overnight. And granted, they did lose a lot, so he could still be a good coach. I know if I was an LSU fan, I'd probably be making an excuse that, well, we lost 18 starters, you know? So, but I was, I was definitely satisfied to see LSU not just pick up right where they left off last season because I was skeptical as anybody on Ed Ordron. I'm interested to see what Mississippi State does with this because their schedule is not bad. When you look at just different SEC schedules, theirs is not bad. When we were going through it, we're like five and five is doable. And that was with the penciled in LSU loss. Now you look at it and you're like, hmm, six and four, seven and three. I think that's on the table for them. LSU, do they bounce back? I was not impressed by Miles Brennan, but the thing is he had no time. Like he was running all over the place and it was hard to get a good read on what he is at this point. But um, that's not having Jamar seven, Chase, also big seven sacks. Yeah. 
that he just had no time. That LSU offensive line is a problem. So that is something to monitor for them this season. If you're going to really evaluate Miles Brennan, um, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. But LSU, very little concerned uh, about it. Um, all right. Well, my stud of the week, sir. <sighs> In a losing effort, Terry Wilson, quarterback in Kentucky. I watched this whole game, went back through it. He, coming back, he's a great story. He missed all last year. He's a fifth-year senior, transferred from Oregon. Feels like forever ago. Um, He was just flying around. He took some bad hits in this game. He throws a really pretty ball. And he was 24-37, 239 yards, one TD. But, like, if you watch this game, they were right into it, into the fourth. It slipped away late, but they were right there on the road in Auburn. Auburn's defense looks great. He was not scared. He just kept battling and battling and battling. And it was just nice to see Kentucky with a quarterback who could throw the ball downfield after a year of Terry Bowden Jr., who it was a lot of fun to watch, but it's nice to see them actually be able to throw passes down the field again. And Terry Wilson is just an easy guy to root for. And I thought he was really, really good in a losing effort. You don't always have to shine a light on the winners on Saturdays. It's more complicated than that in college football. And Terry Wilson deserves some love in my opinion. I only shine the light on winners. <laughs> all right. You're either a winner or you're nothing. Right. Okay. Now Terry Wilson looked, he looked fine. I, uh, that's, that's a good call. I was the other, the other stud I had was Kyle Pitts. I thought he should get some love yeah. for sure. Don, but we, are, we already gave him his due. He's uh that Florida offense looked untouchable. All right. Um, oh, what was your what was your thoughts on the targeting uh, in Auburn, Kentucky, on that pick six? Right that was that in the moment. I didn't notice when you watch it back, and that's what sucks about targeting and stuff like that. When it feels like when you see stuff in in the real time, you don't notice something, and you just think that's a big block. Then it probably is just a big block. But when you go back through it, like I don't, it was bad. That targeting was was not bad. I would not have called it. Would you have? No, I just, I just feel like it's football, man. I, I, I obviously know we're trying to make the game safer and everything, but it, it just seemed like, it seemed like a, a good block, honestly, on a return. Like I don't know. I, uh, yeah, the targeting is what it is. It, it almost seemed like maybe you could have penalized him, but it was behind the play, though. At the same time, you know, it, it I guess it, you can't necessarily determine how much it affected the play, but I feel like he's, re- he's taking that back for a touchdown without that block you know what i mean i don't know it's i i i thought it was a bad call when while i was watching the game like maybe maybe by definition it was targeting but it's like i don't know we gotta use some common sense sometimes like i thought it should be a touchdown yeah but auburn got away with some stuff in this game too there were some other questionable things that went against kentucky like that touchdown run that they did not call where he literally is crossing the plane and they Oh yeah, it. that was two right two plays before that, right? right. So like, it was kind of like come up his whole that. body was in the yeah. end zone. I don't know how they even called that. It was uh not the best officiated game, I would say. Um of the weekend. So, unveil your new segment, Mr. Green. I know you have a new segment for us. Okay, so um I'm going to hit you with some some SEC blind resumes from from their first week of action. All right? All, all three of these teams are top five, and all three of these teams were uh, on the road 
And all three of these teams were facing a f- coach coaching their first game at this new team. All right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these teams won by 19 and allowed 19 points. One of these teams won by 16 and allowed 35 points. One of these teams won by 27 and allowed 10 points. Do you know which team is which? I have no idea. Well, which of these, which of those resumes seems seems like the best performance to you? The the fewest points allowed, the the widest margin of victory. I think the widest which, margin of victory. I'm a big well, luckily victory, they're the same victory person. And so the team that won by 27 points and only allowed 10 points was Georgia versus Arkansas. Damn it. And then Alabama won by 19 and allowed 19 points to Missouri. And Florida won by 16 and allowed 35 points to Ole Miss. And I saw ESPN release their their power rankings today. And Georgia went, I don't know what they had them at before, probably like four or five. And now Georgia's at 12 in ESPN's power rankings. And it's just crazy. And obviously my Twitter, my social media feed has much more Georgia fans on it than, than any other fan fan base but it's just crazy how how negative it is like the georgia fan base is after a 37 10 win on the road like it's just wild to me like obviously we all sat through that first half where georgia did nothing on offense and it looked terrible but they're also trying to figure out their quarterback situation they still only allowed 10 points arkansas is a bad team but missouri and ole miss are both bad teams too obviously ole miss has probably the best offense among those three teams but all three of those teams are bad teams last year they're all breaking in a new head coach all of these were on the road and for some reason i feel like people are just discounting georgia after a 37 10 win and not really talking about Florida giving up 600 yards of offense and 35 points to Ole Miss because they put up the shiny offensive numbers. I think what, do you, what, what do you think too. about They that? were scoring a lot. Like, that's the thing. It's the Lincoln-Riley thing where they keep scoring, so Ole Miss keeps getting the ball back and getting other opportunities to run up, to catch up and score. Like, it's a possession thing. That's, I mean, that definitely contributes. I think LSU, that's kind of what you saw with LSU last year because they had a lot of good defensive players and like I feel like when the game was on the line they seemed to like step up but they gave up a lot of points last year. And so I think that's definitely a factor. But at the end of the day you're on the field your defense is on the field with the other team's offense is on the field and they rack up 600 yards against you. You know what I mean? Like that's they were not struggling off or Ole Miss was not struggling on offense and I think you know maybe we're in an era now where all you need is an offense to win the championship. I'm still a believer that you got to have the defense to to win it all, at least for those key stops. And maybe Florida and Alabama, their offenses are just so much better than Georgia's that they they'll have no problem beating Georgia. That's obviously possible, but I think we we need to think about it. it's not only on offense. There's an offense and a defense and a special teams, of course. And Georgia's defense, Arkansas is terrible. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't I wouldn't take too many conclusions away from either of these three teams first games but i just thought it was very interesting the different narratives we have coming out of all three of those games when georgia won by the most points and they allowed the least number of points they actually had the the widest uh point differential in the sec yesterday 
and they gave up the fewest points in the SEC yesterday. They probably played maybe the worst team in the SEC, but we all know they're not all good teams in the SEC. I just uh, I thought that was interesting. That's uh, my takeaway from some from some of the top five teams, what they did yesterday. I like this segment. You like that? I like this. This is good. I, uh, I thought you'd appreciate that. I um I just think people are talking very differently about these teams, and I uh, I'm really curious to see how it's going to shake out because I think Georgia's schedule is just not. This could. This is just a bad year for Georgia to to get this kind of schedule of just be such a front loaded schedule. So. Uh, I think Georgia could be a good team by the by the time uh, the season's said and done. They could be one of the best teams in the SEC, but they they might already get have two losses on their schedule, and they might not be able to prove it in Atlanta by the end of the season. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, are you ready to get into our final segment before uh, our Thursday show? Yes, sir. Let's do it. So. We'll be doing this every Sunday and Thursday. We'll be wrapping up with um, Matt and I, as you know, loyal listeners. I went to Parkview and uh, Matt went to North Gwinnett, two Gwinnett County schools, Gwinnett County football powerhouses. We are going to do the Georgia High School Football Report. We got to check in on uh, the hometown. I'm no, I'm, I'm not there anymore. I'm, I'm up in uh, Knoxville where there are schools like Maryville and Farragut and West Hills, West Hall. West Maryville you're up near Maryville yeah Maryville's like that, that's another years. they have a they have a d3 school in Maryville they uh that's like kind of like, kind of like the Louisville thing I saw people had hats that said Merville yeah you have to say you are I've already been chastised about this it's not Maryville it's Merville you have yeah, to say it's they were they're a d3 powerhouse in basketball there you go Merville um but yeah so I'm a, I'm away so I, I I don't get to see it as much as I used to miss it. But um, we got to go through just an unbelievable Friday night action in in Georgia high school football. Um, We're going to get through these very quickly. Berkmar, 10 minutes from where I grew up. Boat race by Athens Academy, 68 to 14. Brutal for the Berkmar Patriots. Athens Academy, they got a, they put out a couple big time players recently. Lynette Whitehead, he ended up at uh, Tennessee. He's uh, he's from Athens Academy. There you go. See, this is why we're doing this segment. Deion Colsey, he's a big-time <laughs> receiver recruit in this in this upcoming class. Hillgrove, 38 over the McEachern Indians, I want to say. Um, 38-29. McEachern, falling off a little bit. Yeah. Are they... Have, are they still the Indians? They don't have to change that. I, guess I feel not. like everyone's changed those mascots recently. But yeah, but you would never know with their uniforms, like the gold helmets and the blue. Like they don't have any like in. I think it's just a spear, and you don't even see it on the helmets. I think they're like you would never know by going to that school or seeing their uniforms that they're the Indians. Um, Gainesville, Deshaun Watson's own beats Discovery School close to your neck of the woods, forty-eight to the Red nothing. Elephants. Yeah. Where you also went to college. Um, Norcross blows out the South Gwinnett Comets. 45-14. to 14. Grayson. Okay. The Grayson Rams. Powerhouse. Kim Dietschy's own. Beats the Archer Tigers 26-7. Stunner and Archer, where they've been a very good program, surprisingly enough, in the last couple of years. 
I don't think anyone was stunned every anytime Grayson gets a win. Brookwood, as much as it pains for me to say, beats Mill Creek at home 24 to 13. You don't want to see it, folks. You don't want to see. It. You know what you want to see? The Parkview Panthers going on the road to the Loganville Red Devils, the Battle of 78. Parkview beats <laughs> Loganville 42 to nothing. Parkview's back. Jeff Rancor smiling somewhere. Zeb McKenzie doing his thing. Dustin Wade, who knows where he's at. But shout out to Parkview going 42 nothing on the road at Loganville. Yeah, Parkview's got that. He's They got another Tennessee commit. Yes, uh, they do. Cody the Brown, running back. Big time running back. It's correct to pair up with Harrison Bailey uh, in a couple years. Lovejoy goes on the road in uh, what is your stadium called at North Gwinnett? Uh, Tom Robinson Memorial Stadium. <laughs> I, it's, it's a mouthful. It's funny you bring this up because. I was, uh, I forever till this day want to take credit for it, but my friend insists that it was his idea. We, uh, in our senior year of high school, we had to come up with a new student, uh, the new student name because we always called our, uh, our student section, the crunk crew Mm. and, and, uh, a teacher got on (laughs) urbandictionary.com and discovered that crunk meant crazy drunk Mm. and, but to be fair, that's crunk with a C. We were using crunk with a K. So I feel like crunk just means get hype, you know, get crunk. Like it wasn't about getting crazy drunk, you know, it was about getting hype. But uh, so we had to change uh, our stool, our, our uh, student section. And me and my buddy, we thought Robinson Rowdies for Tom Robinson Memorial Stadium, you know, that's it was an could have been the name forever, but they didn't go with it. They went with the Bob Squad. Because uh, Bob Spire was there at the time. Now Bob Spire's not there. I don't know. They had He's to probably change podcast. that name. I don't know if you knew Ro- that. Robinson Rowdies, man. That would have been a permanent name. But yeah, that's the only reason I know it's uh, Tom Robinson Memorial Stadium. Well, it's not what it once was. Because they lost at home to Lovejoy 19-7 to at home. How are you feeling? Ah, man. It's a it's t- tough loss. You know, I just couldn't get the offense going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there any more i'm looking through here uh, yeah north gwinnett's got that they have that big time ohio state commit who's uh who's opted out i don't know many high school players that have opted out of the season but yeah he he opted out and they have barrett carter big time clemson commit west forsyth beats walton 24 21 in my parents area north forsyth goes 28 to 0 over etowah oh yeah my forsyth county news days man i uh i, I got a soft spot that. there you go oh, yeah um, Wolverines they were nothing they were nothing before I uh, before <laughs> I started covering them uh, no, but they had uh, what's this, the coach coach uh, Clack Adam Clack I think is his name he uh, now he's big time he's a he moved to Milton and Milton I think won state last year like he's a he's a cool guy there you go these nuggets you would not get in any other national podcast. There you go, ones. man. I uh, I remember they cover. Uh, I covered like uh, he's he's probably one of the cooler coaches I ever interviewed because I I covered a game uh, at Brookwood like the first round of the state tournament that was like an awesome game between West Forsyth and and Brookwood and he was he was real candid with me. He was a cool guy. There you go. Um, to wrap up here, five like we'll we'll get through these quick. Cook County. Goes down to Brooks County, twenty-five to not twenty. <laughs> I can't say it's a straight face. You, I mean, Cook is usually pretty good. I see them in the dome every year. It seems like South Forsyth. I think they're the Eagles. 
Golden Eagles? That's the one I was about. The War Eagles. War Eagles. Beat yes, Central Gwinnett Black Knights 52 to 27. Put it on them. Yeah. You love to see it. Your Forsyth County favorite. I feel like Forsyth County football has come a long way, honestly. It was almost like a guarantee that their team's losing first round of state like every year. Now they're actually making some noise. You know who's not making any noise? The Northside team because Northside loses to Warner Robins, their in county rival, 47 to nothing at home. What has happened to Northside? We played them in the state title game with Chauncey Stuckey forever ago. Yeah, I feel like Northside Warner Robins has always been uh, producing big time dudes. Not anymore, folks. And then to wrap up here, Metter beat Savannah Country something 35 to 7 at home. The only reason I bring up Metter is because they have the same logo and look as Partview. And I remember stopping there on the way to Jacksonville, Florida on a family vacation growing up and <laughs> looking around and going, how do people live here? Speaking of the same logo and look, I was going through the scoreboard and saw Columbus uh, played against who's a Lagrange, and Columbus has like the exact same logo as the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> and I never, I never knew that. That's How do schools get away with this? Because Metacritic was like literally using the Dallas Mavericks logo in their gymnasium. I remember, and I was just looking around and like, they're yeah, not even hiding it. same font and everything. How did they get away with this? I guess because the schools don't do it for profit. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered the same thing. It's like every school that's the Eagles has, you know, the the wings on the helmet. That's, mm. that's like what you have to do if your team is the Eagles, you know, so. I mean, we have Clemson's. Partview literally just uses Clemson stuff all the time. Uh, yeah, they really do. They're orange and blue Clemson, essentially. Yeah. Also, for, uh, for our college basketball fans out there, mm-hmm. uh, they're – about gary williams he is still alive and kicking <laughs> he is uh 75 years old so gary williams still uh still doing his thing with the uh with the big 10 network that could be our new uh our new weekly segment too uh is this guy alive might be onto something very tasteful very tasteful oh, of course of course tasteful um all right man well that's all i got you you've done your first sunday night uh college football recap show it's in the back yes sir it was fun um this is good i think we have a good rhythm going and i like the new segments and uh getting uh i think uh we're getting the hang of this just taking it uh one step at a time as, all right as butch jones as butch <laughs> jones would say brick by brick baby all right we'll be back on thursday uh with our week what is it week four week five preview I don't even know, folks. Um, this was week four. So, yeah, yeah week, so week five, five preview. And then we'll have Matt Wyatt of ESPN Radio Mississippi doing his film study. So I'm excited about that, that he'll be sending over. Um, I'm jacked about it. I, I have a feeling it's going to be Mississippi State related. He was in Baton Rouge for that uh, for that game. So I'm excited to see what he saw from the from the. That's going to be some great. That's going to be some great X's and O's stuff. I think so. he's going to have a lot to work with with. Uh, what Costello did to the LSU defense. I'm excited. Um, so check that out on Thursday. Um, Matt, I will talk to you in a few days. All right, sir. Until next time. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the chase Thomas podcast. Hope you loved it. And if you did, guess what you should do. You know what I'm going to say? Leave five stars on Apple podcast. Leave a nice five star rating. That's all I ask. Leave a review. Tell people who are not listening to the show or come across it on Apple or wherever they get their podcast, 
why they should listen to the best independent sports podcast today hosted by the best in the world at what he does chase thomas i think that's me yeah i'm the aforementioned chase thomas so go do that today i appreciate it go check out chase slash page hyphen 11 where you'll get all of my writing yeah writing every single day please go check that out um just check out the website as a whole um go to the patreon you can support us there at patreon.com slash chase thomas writer um yeah i appreciate the support as always i don't think i said um enough in this new closing but if i did not um please keep uh listening to the podcast i greatly appreciate it as we continue to grow and become the number one sports podcast in the world thank you as always and uh you'll be back with another episode very soon thank you guys Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.